Welcome to the Retireable Podcast. My name is Mike Wallace. My name is John Sauger. And we work with a company called Financial Services of America. And one of the things we're going to talk a little bit about today um, is we're going to focus a little bit more on the retirement aspect of, of things. And um, with our guests later, talk a little bit more about Medicare. But when we talk about um, nearing retirement or even in retirement, um, John, what are some of the biggest costs um, in retirement, would you say? That's a, it's a great question. So um, I, I guess we would start off this by saying neither one of us are retired. Correct. Um, but we work with people at an retirement age. And, and I guess the, the first thing to keep in mind when we're talking about costs is, is making sure they're done right, right? So so people don't want to retire more than once. They don't want to get good at it. They want to retire one time. Yeah. The, the, the biggest cost I think we hear from people are, are um, two things. One is taxes, which yep. you've heard in an earlier podcast, an earlier, an earlier episode. And the second would be healthcare. Yeah. So, and so it just becomes really important so that there's, there's a lot of things we have to control when we talk about holistic planning, you know, the financial is what most people think about, but you know, you're, you have to deal with, um, you know, estate planning, taxes, healthcare, insurances, et cetera, and not realizing, um, how big of an impact that is not only throughout your lifetime. And, and it is a big, huge cost throughout your lifetime as well, but oftentimes that is taken care of through, um, you know, through your employer or through the insurance company themselves. Well, and, and, and not picking on us, but using us as examples, your wife is a principal. Yeah. My wife works, as she's a director of admissions at a university. So we both get healthcare and we've experienced it from both sides, right? We've both had healthcare, at least I, I, know, I know I have, had healthcare that I had to provide on my own. Um, and then when my wife switched, switched uh, uh, jobs, healthcare was provided there. It, it, it's a, it was a dramatic savings. And, and, and even now, I, the number, the dollar amount, Calculating that into what she makes and then add on what we save in in the healthcare costs is is, is huge. Yeah, I guess if you really looked at that, because John and I both have three children, if we really looked at what the healthcare costs, like I'm I'm curious, like oh, throughout our kids' lifetime, because they're they're all you know late teens, early twenties, um, what would that cost be? I mean, it's several hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not for millions sure. of dollars, for, sure. for probably both of our families, and we both had certain uh, individual situations that. Um, and even our guest, even with his um, kids as well, as you can conclude that, that would, that's very costly when well, it comes and, down to that stuff. And, and, and it's not just money. It's peace yeah. of mind. Yeah. Um, we're, we, my, my family, we have a young man living with us that we're, we're that we're, that we're helping with. He's been a long family friend. He's been living with us for, for, or been in our lives for forever. You know, all of our kids treat him as a brother. And, and I bluntly asked him yesterday, I said, you know, you just turned 23 I didn't think to ask this for, do you have health insurance? And, and thankfully he does, but it's one of those things we're just trying to work through with him to make sure it, it, it's a, it's a really, really important subject. And especially as we get closer to retirement, when the, the age 65 changes everything for us. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, we talked about the biggest, you know, costs, but also some of the biggest risks in retirement sure. is health, right? You know, sure. so, you know, they talk about, you know, two main things when it comes to um, retirement that are the biggest risk health and longevity. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, most people, um, if you don't live very long, right, it, it's not going to be a big issue. Yeah. Uh, but if you live long, um, obviously we want to make sure your money lasts forever. But more importantly, what if you live long and you're unhealthy for a long period of time? You know, that is really when it can start to dig in 
to a lot of that stuff. And, and we're really not going to get into um, too much about the, the long-term care planning, that kind of stuff. Um, but just in general, just the, the regular um, health stuff that happens both to, to us while we're still working and, and our children, but also when you retire, um, sometimes that, that gets uh, a little bit more involved. And a lot of, uh, you know, as we get older, our bodies yep, break down sure. a little bit, right? For so sure. we have, to, we have well, to deal with some of that stuff. Well, and I think it's a great time to bring Mark on because that, that's that's the, 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 the two buzzwords we hear um, constantly, whether it's someone we're referred to, whether we're at a workshop, whether we're at a, a, a dinner seminar, doing a webinar. We see this all the time, the two buzzwords, they wealth and health, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. Exactly right. So let's bring on Mark. Mark Kirsten, um, he's a senior VP with uh, Financial Services of America. He did graduate from Michigan State University in 1993. Go Green. Go, Go Green. <laughs> he's uh, licensed in Life and Health, PNC, in, in the state of Michigan here. But he is certified uh, as a Medicare certification through AHIP. And he does a lot of workshops and um, webinars on Medicare planning in general. So um, welcome, Mark. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, John. Glad to be here. So let's let's get started. We talked about this magic age of 65 when you have to actually sign up for Medicare and, and you become Medicare eligible. And a lot of it, too, is just bridging that gap sometimes if you retire early from, let's say, 62 to 65. But what what's this magic age and how does somebody even sign up for Medicare and, and what's involved with that process? Okay, so great questions. And how you sign up kind of depends on whether you're collecting Social Security benefits or not. So the okay. first thing without going into Medicare, if you look at all the rules and regulations, very similar to any big government program, there's thousands of them. So we're not going to talk about all the possibilities. I'm going to kind of keep this as what affects most individuals. Mm -hmm. So most people will go on to Medicare at age 65 or at least be eligible at age 65. If you're under 65, there are exceptions to that. If you have certain disabilities, if you have certain diseases and things like that. But the most individuals uh, are going to be eligible at 65. So let's just assume for a second that your eligibility also happens to coincide with your retirement. Okay. So meaning that, yeah, no brainer. I'm going to sign up for Medicare because my employer is not going to cover it anymore. And I want Medicare to be there because I know what the costs are going to be. It's going to be less than, you know, there's really no other alternatives. So the month you turn 65, okay, that's a month that you can enroll in Medicare. But also three months prior to your birth month, up through three months after your birth month. So you've got a seven-month window in which you can uh, apply for Medicare. And, if you, and the reason that it's critical... There's two main reasons, of course. If you wait until, let's say, three months after you're 65 or, or longer and you don't have other coverage, well, then you're lacking health care for that amount of time. So that's a horrible situation. The second issue is that if you miss that seven-month window without a valid exception, then you're starting to be penalized. That, and those are lifelong penalties on your premium amounts. Okay, and we'll wow. get into premiums a little bit. So that's why it's critical yeah. to make sure that you're not missing the deadline. So for the most part, if you're turning 65, think of it as you got three months prior to your birth month to sign up. Okay. Why would you wait till you're after your birth month and potentially not be covered? So you said, though, about being retired or not being retired. So let's talk, first of all, about if you're if you're still working. OK, so, so on, let's say like a work plan. Yeah, you're, you're on your yeah, work plan and sure. you're not retired. Let's say, let's say you plan on retiring at age 67. Do you need to sign up for Medicare? 
Okay, so that's where, remember the magic number 20. Okay. 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 If you have an employer that has a plan that covers 20 or more employees, then maybe not. Okay. If you have less than 20 employees covered, then you pretty much always have to. Okay. Magic number, very simple. Easy way also is that you can contact your benefit administrator and say, hey, do I have creditable coverage? What do I have to do? What are my options when I turn 65? Get their information and then talk to somebody else in the industry and make sure that the information is you know, accurate. Okay. There are instances where employers don't know the actual protocol because the agent that sold them the plan either misled them or misinformed them. So there are obviously, you know, lawsuits can drag out because you think you're covered, but you're not. Then you have this $50,000 medical bill. So that's why it's important that, again, that magic number of 20, if you're still working beyond age 65, you can stay on your employer plan and then your employer will probably behind the scenes coordinate Medicare with their company group plan to save the employer money. Okay. But the employer would take care of that for the most part. Okay. Now, if you're retired and I should, it doesn't have to necessarily be retired, like separated from service, so to speak. Yeah. When we started, you know, back in the nineties, when you retired, you never worked you, again. You never worked again. Yeah. So I want to change that statement a little bit to say if you're collecting Social Security benefits. Okay. Mike always uses the term work optional. I really like that term. If yeah. You're, if, you're, if you're at that stage and you're work optional, you don't have to. Correct. You're not the, you're not. And that's one of the things that a lot of you know my financial clients are looking for is that they want a work optional lifestyle to say, hey, I don't, I don't want to look at anything called retirement. Okay. So when it comes to Social Security... If you're already collecting Social Security at least four months prior to your turning 65, you'll automatically get enrolled into Medicare. Okay. But you don't even have to do anything. Don't have to do anything. Okay. Now, that could present a problem because if if you're collecting Social Security, but you're still working at an employer, they're going to enroll you in Medicare. But what if you have a big employer and you want to stay on their plan? Okay. Well, now you're going to get, you know, start to have costs deducted or billed to you for your Part B premiums. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the premiums in a little bit. But as far as enrollment process, 65 is the magic age. 20 is the magic number from the standpoint of how many people are on a plan to determine whether Medicare becomes my primary coverage or a secondary coverage. Okay. Okay. So... If you're retired then at 63 and you decide to go on Social Security then, and then you turn 65, you're automatically, you're automatically um, going to be in enrolled right in for Medicare. Social correct? Security will enroll you automatically if you're collecting at 63. So when you turn 65, you'll automatically be enrolled. So, okay. What about though? someone that retires at, let's say they retire at 66, but they don't plan on taking their social security till 67. That's what I was just going to so, ask. Yeah, that's okay. a, yeah. So yes. I'm just, we're just trying, I'm just trying to yep. understand this a little bit. Nope, so perfect. So, so what, what happens then? If you're, if you're 66, so, you know, a lot of different, there's so many different possibilities, yeah. you know, that can occur. If you're 66, you're not going to turn, like I have a lot of clients that are choosing to wait 
to collect their Social Security benefits until age 70. Okay. Sure, and just let it grow. And let it grow sure. as much. Sure. And if they need additional income, they actually are pulling it from IRAs because IRAs are, you Might know, more uh, efficient. taxes are lower sure. right sure. now. Sure. Yep. Sure. So based on that, if that's the scenario and you're delaying your Social Security, whenever you want your Medicare benefits to start, you have to enroll. You can go online. That's one of the easiest ways to do it. And you want to do that, I always say, at least two months before you want your coverage to start. Okay. Okay. So so let me, let me, let me look at this a little bit differently. Is there, and, and, and I know you kind of mentioned maybe a little bit with employer plans, but is there a reason a person wouldn't go on Medicare? I mean, it seems like it's a well-run program. It seems like it's good for people. Well, the reason that you may not go on Medicare is if your employer is a large group okay. and they have better coverage okay. because they're paying for it. Or it's saving you money. So Correct. It comes back to the that almighty is dollar. Almost always the monthly premium difference is how you would determine, should I stay or should I go gotcha. okay. from my employer okay. plan? Okay. okay. And are most employer plans going to be better or worse than Medicare? The larger the plan is, then the question is not necessarily, is it better or worse than Medicare? The question again, boils down to the almighty dollar. What's less expensive for you. Okay. okay. And the reason is because when we talk about enrolling into Medicare at age 65, we're only talking about parts A and B, which are hospitalization and then doctor services. Okay. That's it. That only covers 80% of your health care. Okay. And does not include prescription drugs. Okay. So if you're looking at strictly original Medicare, almost all employer plans are better than original Medicare. Yes. So Okay, so 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 that makes sense. One of my questions, and we and we see this a lot, and we, we refer this out, and 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 I think this is an important point. Medicare is individually based, correct? Correct. So, so what what happened? Can you walk us through that a little bit? So like, <clears throat> so one of the one of the biggest problems that we see that people don't understand when it comes to employer coverage, Medicare, and what have you. Let's take an example where you've got somebody who is 67 and okay. retiring, full retirement age, Social Security, 67, and they're also on an employer plan, so they don't they get an exception to the age 65 rule. Okay. So they wait until they're 67 and enroll, but they have a spouse who is only 63. Who's not Medicare eligible. Not Medicare eligible yet. Okay. Well, odds are when that 67-year-old leaves the employer the employer bylaws of the group plan does not allow the spouse to remain on the plan when the employee is no longer with the company on their plan. So the 63-year-old is so now without insurance. So the 63-year-old now has to buy health insurance okay. on their own for two years okay. in, until they're Medicare eligible at age 65. Which could be more expensive than staying on the plan. Correct. Sure. So in the if if it's an example of, hey, I'm retiring because I, I just don't like this job anymore, or it's or the stress or the anxiety or what have you, then you know what? Then it's time to retire and you find coverage prior to your retirement decision, hopefully. Um, but at the same point in time, you bring up a good point, John. If you're just deciding, hey, I could retire whenever. I could retire at 65, I could retire at 67, I could retire at 69. It might be worthwhile to work those extra year or two in order to guarantee that your spouse has that coverage 
because it's not always just the um, it's not always just the you know the monthly premium amounts. It's also that other plans, you know, you have to look at deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance, sure. things like that. So no, that becomes really important as well. Like we were talking about earlier is a lot of times when people are retiring, it's now, you know, we talk about work optional lifestyle, but a lot of it is, is, is really they're working still more for lifestyle, exactly. Exactly. not, not just for, um, you know, because they have to anymore. And so obviously that's more money in their pocket if they don't have to pay for healthcare costs, or we talked about earlier, you Absolutely. know, taxes, et cetera. Well, and, 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 and Mike, bringing it back to the purpose of our podcast, or one of the things we mentioned here is being holistic. And we've explained it. We've, we've, we've hit on it. We have our holistic happening segment. We talk about this constantly. If you're truly a holistic planner, or if you're not working with a holistic planner, find one. Because this conversation, you just said it, Mark, you've mentioned it. So retiring... It may be work optional. There may be ways to figure this out, but it's not just, um, oh, wait, I have enough money or, oh, I've accrued enough years or it's going forward. Okay, maybe you have, you think you have enough money to retire. Maybe you think you've accrued enough years, but all of a sudden your healthcare cost is, you know, triple what it was before because a spouse is no longer on the care or you, you have to go to the, to the marketplace and find something else. That's a huge part of actual planning that is really, really important that well, I think we might not have talked about before. Well, and not only that, John, it's, you know, we, we talk about, you know, why people have insurance in general is transferring that risk. And so um, we know what Mark just said earlier that, that, that Medicare will cover certain things, but they're not going to cover everything. And so then it becomes, okay, what are other things that can drain our bank accounts? And we talked about other healthcare costs over and above what Medicare covers. So let's say then we do sign up for Medicare. Um, is Medicare enough, Mark? So great question because there's and it's getting a the lines are getting a little bit blurred now. Okay. Because when we talk about Medicare, be careful are we talking about original Medicare or are we talking about all Medicare possibilities? Okay. So let me explain that original Medicare is strictly part A and part B. That's it. Okay. Part A is what you would expect to have for hospitalization like your room and board and what have you. And Part B is the things that you would expect to pay for when you go to a doctor's office, get x-rays and diagnostic tests, things right. like that. So, and that original Medicare, 80% of those costs are not covered. And prescription drugs, we haven't even mentioned that, so they're not covered as well. So Medicare has approved supplements that you can cover those gaps. So there is a way to have about maybe 95 to 99% of your healthcare costs covered, but there's not a way to have 100% of the costs covered. And the reason for that is, so let's talk about the add-ons now. Okay. So we already know that original Medicare is not going to cover 20% and it doesn't cover prescription drugs. Okay. That's where Part D for drugs comes in that you can have a standalone plan where you pay a monthly premium and have your prescription drugs covered, not in full, but there's certain cost sharing that would really probably take about 10, 15 minutes to go through. Yeah, but just suffice okay it to now. say, yep. but co-pays. You, you have co-pays and, you know, there is that catastrophic, uh, you know, cover the donut hole, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then to cover the 20% gap, there's two unique ways to do this. One is the traditional plan that's been around for decades, and that's called a Medigap supplement. Okay. 
and there are letter plans. So if Medicare is not already confusing enough with uh, original A, well, B, C, and D's. A, you said A, B, and D, and you missed C, so I already was thrown out <laughs> yep. there. And now <laughs> there's other A, B, and G, and F letter plans as well that are completely different just for the supplement. So it can get pretty confusing, believe me. Yes. But think of it this way. A supplement, a Medigap plan, is okay. designed to cover that 20% gap. Easiest way I learned to uh, uh, remember that is the Medigap fills in that 20% gap that original Medicare doesn't cover. Okay. Gotcha. That's a monthly premium. You might pay $100 a month. You might pay $150 a month or what have you, so, but there is a monthly premium for the gap plan to fill in that 20%. Is there a monthly premium? For, well, there's a monthly premium for A and B. There is a monthly premium that the individual pays for Part B. Okay. Part A is not free, but it's paid for by the fact that you are a taxpayer and worked okay. for 40 quarters. Okay. So it's premium free. Okay. Okay. Whereas Part B, there is a monthly premium. Now, the good thing is that it goes down a little bit next year, uh, 164 uh, or so, you know, for the year instead of 170.10 as it is for this year. Okay. Uh, but that's per every, person, though. Per person, okay. per month. And that's just for the Part B. Okay. So if you want the Part B and your GAP plan, add another maybe $100 on top of that. Okay. So now you're looking at $264 a month per person. But now, so, which, which there's two ways you could look at that. One way is you could say, okay, that's $3,000 a year per person that, that, but then, so, so now we're at $6,000 a year for healthcare costs. But yeah. on the other side, uh, what we were talking about it earlier is, is like a family plan might be four times that much. So, so it could be, it's, it's, it's at least consistent maybe as a way to look at it. Absolutely. The, the thing about Medicare there, it's anytime you're dealing with any kind of large government bureaucracy, there's all kinds of red tape and things just get very, very confusing. But at the same point in time, if you want to look at it from a simplistic standpoint, there's a, there's a lot of cost certainty with Medicare. Sure. Sure. So if you have a and B, you add on a Medigap plan and you add on a standalone prescription plan. Okay. You have, for the most part, cost certainty and what you're going to pay. And that's about 95% of the things you would need. That would cover all about part. probably if you have all that you're looking at. A, yeah. Depending on your prescription drugs, that can be the difference Fair. maker. Fair. True. If you're not looking at the prescription drugs, you're probably looking at covering 99% of the cost. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I've now, seen some of those government documents, like anything else, there's pages and pages and pages of them. And, and, and like Mark said, you can look at charts and you could, if you wanted to decipher some of these charts, you can pretty get accurately know exactly what they're going to pay for and what they're, what they're not going to pay for in certain circumstances. Yes. Um, but the other problem is, is even if you know that there's always these gaps that are there, that, that there's certain things that they're not going to pay for. So do you recommend that they get some type of other coverage to, to assist with that? And if so, what types of coverages and can you help explain um, what are their options? So that's that actually is a good lead into the next option because if you recall, I said there's two yes. you know kind of Medigap. ways that people fill in the gaps. Yep. One is with that Medigap plan. Yep. The other one you already know of. You may not know it necessarily, but it's you, John. I think you mentioned it. The the C plan, Medicare Part C. Okay. That's what you see most of the advertising on television. Okay. I think uh, what is it? Joe Namus. You see yeah, him. Yep, Jimmy yep, Walker. Yep. Get your extra benefits. What a Part C plan does 
is it takes the original Medicare A and B and wraps it with its own supplement plan. So for instance, if you're on a Part C plan, you have one company that you're dealing with to cut to deal, you know, to reimburse you for your part A, part B expenses, to coordinate billing and everything for all your Medicare needs. And a part C plan also has add-on advantages. So it will have things like um, uh, pres- the prescription drug is usually added into the part C for most individuals. Okay. Then on top of that, it'll have things like dental which isn't covered under original Medicare. Oh, It'll have vision services, which isn't covered. So you now have to look and say, well, what other options, you know, what other add-on benefits? Because if you're getting an additional $2,000 of add-on benefits per person per year, that's a very significant impact. For sure. And as a general rule of thumb, we typically see that because of cost certainty, the healthier, or I'm sorry, the more health issues you have, the Medigap plans where there's that monthly premium yep. is typically the way that people go. Okay. Whereas the average individual to, you know, hey, I don't go to the doctors all that often, they tend to gravitate towards the Part C plan. Okay. Because there are many Part C plans that have zero monthly premiums. Okay, so which includes prescription drugs, so that could save so a could family save a money. $200, $400 a month. So can I, I think I would know the answer on this, but but can it be different? So like the the husband is extremely healthy, he does the the C plan, but the wife is more sickly. Absolutely. She does yep. a gap. So remember, as we talked about earlier and we said that individual, you know, Medicare is an individual plan, so just like if you leave your employer, you could be you know putting your spouse uh, out At in the risk. cold for yep. not having coverage. So the same thing with Medicare, husband, wife, they can have different plans. They can have the same plan. They can have the same company, different companies. They're, they're treated individually. Okay. Well then let's say too, though, that they are healthy now, but then they become 75 or, or 78 and they start to have some of those other issues. Um, can you change your plan at that point? And is it advisable to do that? So a great question. So and one of the things as well always have to remember is that Medicare evolves and it changes the laws. You know, some might say a little, a little too much because it can get confusing. So it's important to realize that we don't necessarily know exactly what the Medicare structure is going to be like down the road. Okay. As of today, they do allow you to switch plans. Okay. There are various open enrollment periods. Now we're in the uh, AEP, you know, in the uh, fall annual election period where you have the ability to, you know, make changes to certain plans. Then we're going to come up to another open enrollment period. There are so many different, you know, special election periods. There are so many different options on how and when you might be able to change Medicare plans that it would, again, yeah, that would take us about 15 minutes to talk about. So suffice it to say is that when you sign up, you're not locked in forever, but it's important to make that right choice at first because you're only guaranteed insurability without any extra potential premium increases when you enroll Mm. at the proper time. Yes. So if you enroll at age 65, that's your standard eligibility time period. You cannot be turned down for coverage. You cannot be surcharged or rated with a higher premium for any pre-existing conditions. Okay. 
if you wait until you're 67 to enroll, but you had proper coverage through your employer, you still get to enroll without any underwriting issues. Okay. But if you make a mistake and you think that you could enroll at 68, but your employer plan only had 10 people on it, now you can be subject to underwriting issues and you could be denied certain types of coverage. You could be surcharged. Okay. And then once you're in, kind of the same thing applies is that there are some plans that, hey, we'll take almost anybody except these issues. Oh, you know, so it's just really a matter of saying, what is the particular issue going to be? So you can switch, but as a general rule, of course, the more health issues you have, your options are going to get less become more narrow. Sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. so in the, in, in, in this thought, we, we've had a number of different guests on and, and the underlying current that, that, that people say is, Hey, one of the things I want to mention to people is we shouldn't procrastinate. We shouldn't procrastinate in this. And, 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 it, and it's a valid point, but it's most prevalent in what you're saying here. They, you have like, if you don't, if you procrastinate or you miss it, or more specifically, you don't talk to the right person that knows. Because I, I think I would assume most people don't want to go and get a degree in 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 Medicare or get a background or specialization. They want to they want to trust somebody. If you don't find that person, if you don't connect with that person at the right time, it's it's absolutely for your life. And and you know, bringing up to, you know that point as as I alluded to earlier, if you don't sign up when you're supposed to. You've got potential lifelong penalties. Just as a real quick example, if you don't sign up for a Part D plan or some type of qualified drug plan when you're supposed to, you pay a 1% per month surcharge for the rest of your life. And that's 1% per month off of an average premium that Medicare has the number for. If you don't sign up for Part B when you're supposed to, now you can have a premium um, premium. penalty, so to speak, for the rest of your life for every year that you're not properly signed up. So, and again, they're lifetime penalties. So you want to make sure that you're enrolling in Medicare at the right time. That's going to be critical. Well, Mark, that's a just a wealth awesome of information stuff. that you have. I tell you, and, you know, obviously John and I do uh, this for a living as far as holistic planning is concerned, but the reason that we have a um, FSA health department and we have numerous um, people uh, maybe not as knowledgeable as Mark, but pretty close <laughs> when it comes down to that in this, because as we talked about earlier, there's so many th- decisions we have to make in our lifetime. Like we, you know, hopefully we retire once as John talked about earlier, or, um, you know, as far as estate planning is concerned, making sure we make the right decisions as far as that's concerned. But this is one decision that become, that can have an, affect the rest of your life. So it is important to talk to an expert, to, to talk to somebody that is um, licensed. And the great thing about it, though, is that it's really regulated by the government. So most of that information, if you talk to the different um, individuals, especially an independent that's out there, you're getting pretty good information because um, they, they, there's a lot of, there was a lot of abuse in the past. And so you can feel pretty comfortable that you're getting some pretty good information when it comes down to that. Mark, thank you so much for Absolutely. coming. We thank really you Thank much. you, Mike. Thank, thank you, John. Mike, as we as we kind of switch gears into our holistic happenings, this this seems like a like an easy conversation today because um, as we're recording this, we're in the fall, we're in the open enrollment period, and, and I'm sure in the last week, you, I, I know I have, or not week, but the last few weeks, you've had a number of clients probably reach out to you about Medicare, 
Yes. Right? And, and, and you may have been wanting to talk to them about a different subject or may have had a, a scheduled review or whatnot, but this has probably come up, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, and in fact, one of the things that we have is with our client um, relationship management system is when people turn certain specific ages, like that 65 is a big, huge you know, decision making possibly. So we we learn and we and we we we, we want to be proactive, not reactive. So oftentimes we do reach out to our clients uh, when they when they are reaching those magic ages. Um, no matter what they may be, because there's other magic ages too, as we sure, talked about with sure. IRA distributions at 72, etc. But we want to make sure that we we do uh, we do plan that, and they do have a resource, and that's that exactly that, that that it's a holistic part that a lot of people kind of put in the back burner, and more importantly. Like a lot of things, we don't something we, we don't want to talk about. You know, it's not our well, favorite subject anymore. It is, it um, is. But you can spend a little bit of time, a little bit of planning, and people think it's so overwhelming. It is if you do it yourself. But if you rely on expert, guess what? You know, you can talk with, with, with the way Mark's been talking. He knows it inside and out. I mean, I don't want to do this myself. You know, when I turn sure. sixty-five, I'm going to sit down with someone like Mark to tell me, lay it on the table for me. Pick it for me because I don't have that knowledge that the most people are going to have um, when it, or when, I'm sorry that mo, that the experts have I should say um, when it comes down to that. Well, and, and 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 I was at a workshop over the over the weekend and I was talking with a gentleman and he said that the biggest thing he noticed because he he has no background in Medicare uh, or health insurance but he said the question kept coming up so often with the people he worked with uh, with the people he was referred to the question kept kept coming up that he created a partnership with someone like we have with FSA Health. He has his own outside outside component. And, and what he mentioned was the, the, the difference in relationship he had with the people he worked with was dramatic because they knew there was one person they could go to. And they would call him and say, you know what, I don't remember the healthcare person's name, but it's open enrollment time period. I have some questions. Can you get me over there? And and that's what I see all the time is, is I've had in the last couple of days, probably five or six clients reach out and say, John, I think things have changed for me. Can you send me the, the the healthcare people? Can you send the Medicare people to give me a call? And that's one of the great things I love about our, our, our as we tell our stories of holistic things in our life, family I was talking with literally on their finances and, and, and some adjustments on there, it came up in a conversation. I said, by the way, you had surgery. She was still recovering from a surgery. I said, did you look at your Medicare stuff? Does anything change? She said, gosh, I didn't even think about that. We sent her over to the Medicare division and they reached out and nothing dramatically changed for her. They didn't recommend any changes, but, but she kind of had mentioned, she said, John, thank you so much for bringing that up. Cause what if something would have changed? I, I wouldn't have even thought about it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it in one of the, the sayings that uh, our boss has sometimes, it's not what you expect, it's what you inspect. And so a lot of times is, um, it's not something that you need to do every single year, but every once in a while, and, and whether it is the, the um, we talked about, you know, uh, Ben, the attorney talked about looking at your estate plan every five years, right? Sure. You know, sure. um, or life-changing events. When we do a lot of our financial stuff, sometimes it's, it's on cruise control, but then there's a life-changing event and we need to make some changes sure. sometimes pretty quickly. And so when we look at that, it's just making sure that we, we understand that this is not a, you know, one and done decision. Um, and that more importantly, when you make the first decision, um, that becomes really important because it could affect things later on down the road. So, so it's another subject that, that we've talked about and, and we, we, we continue to get to the, it, it feels like we have just a running theme of, of, of planning and, and when it's retireable, you know, you've hit that point, but you need to stay on top of these different subjects. And, and, and that's where you want to find somebody 
Uh, it's one of the great things about with the people we work with that they found somebody that can can address all those subjects. No, it's 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 important. It's and it's funny. I was at a workshop just this uh, um, this week um, at at one of the local Andiamos. Great food, by the way. <laughs> but needless to say, um, we did a, a workshop on on taxes. And uh, when we were done, you know, there are certain questions we got. We got some health care questions at the end, but I also got a question regarding um, a lump sum buyout. Okay, so this just happened, just happened on Tuesday. One of the questions they were asking, and that has something to do also with, you know, how old they are and as far as what the health coverages are, you know, but the question was asked to me, um, is it best to take a lump sum pension buyout or should I take the monthly, okay? And again, we could have a whole podcast just on the answer to that. So I'm not going to give you the answer today, but it's really becomes important because it really kind of depends. I mean, what, what, it is, what it, does it depend on? It depends on other sources of income. It depends on other assets, right? You know, and so there, so, um, and more importantly, it depends on their individual situation and their individual lifestyle. And so when it comes down to that, um, of course, you know, we, we're going to talk in, a, in a, a couple podcasts about the use of technology. And I know Mark talked about that, um, using a lot of the stuff that we have available. Okay. But it's now, um, what is our, is an individual there, what are the, what is the risk versus rewards of taking a lump sum? So some so some of the risks, for example, would be okay. Let's say you do decide to take that that monthly lump sum, and then ten years from now the company goes bankrupt. How would that affect it? Okay, it, it may not affect it at all, but it may affect it because it may not be insured, right? So there's lots of things we have to look at that ways. The other risk, for example, is that okay now, let's say I take my pension for three years and then I die. How much money is left over? Right? What's the answer, John? Well, probably none. None, right? Unless you're married. Yeah, exactly. So what happens is, you know, sometimes um, you, you're you not getting that out of it. But also, the longer, you, if you do take that that monthly, if you live really long, it's oftentimes going to be more advantageous. You know, we talked about this this big lottery recently, you know, you, over a, a period of time or a lump sum. And a lot of it's weighing those options and what works best. So most importantly, when it comes down to that, John, is is seek advice from a professional. There is not a one um uh, you know, one answer for all, but I think that's a, I wanted to, to bring that up it's because good, it's, no, it's a good some, example to, yeah. to, 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 to remind people that they're, everybody's facing a different situation, yes. you know, and, 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 and like you said, finding the right people and seems like a good lead into, to wrapping up and, and, and given the information so they know how to connect with us. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, obviously if you, if you want to do want to talk to um, one of our, um, uh, fiduciaries, one of our advisors, you can go to our website, um, fsa1.com um, or, or our phone number, 1-800-977-9292. Um, thanks for listening to our Retireable Podcast. Thank Mark for coming today. Uh, my name is Mike Wallace. I'm John Sauger. Have a great day. Securities, products, and services made available through AE Financial Services, LLC, AEFS, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory products and services made available through FSA Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. AEFS and FSA Advisors Incorporated are not affiliated companies. Insurance products are offered through the insurance business, Financial Services of America. FSA Advisors Incorporated is also a financial services practice that offers products and services through AE Financial Services 
LLC AEFS, member FINRA and SIPC. AEFS does not offer insurance products. The insurance products offered by Financial Services of America are not subject to investment advisor requirements. AEFS and FSA Advisors Incorporated are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. FSA Advisors Incorporated is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by FSA Advisors Incorporated.